0: welcome to for the love of the game this is our podcast presented by horsebills.com episode number two i'm bob ike and i'm joined by my partner mark Dosh. we are the owners of horsebills.com and mark we got to sit down with michael mccarthy and have a real nice 20 minute interview with him to hear about how he won a breeders cup race and his breakout year
1: yeah it was really good to see michael mccarthy get on the big stage and win with City of Light in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Amazingly, from his stable of about 30 horses, he had five runners in the Breeders' Cup, and he also finished third in the Juvenile Phillies with Vibrant. So, it's been a long road for Michael. He's finally made it to the top of the game, and he's got a long and successful career ahead of him, no doubt.
0: So, let's hear about that Breeders' Cup win and his breakout year in the upcoming interview with trainer Michael McCarthy. Mm We are here at the barn of Michael McCarthy, recent Breeders' Cup winner. How's that sound, Michael?
2: I like it, like it, sounds good.
0: Um, Congrats on the win, first of all. As City of Lights coming down the last hundred yards, what kind of emotions are going through you? Uh,
2: You know, I don't know what, I can't tell you exactly what kind of emotion, it was more of a feeling of relief than anything else. I think a little bit over the summertime, kind of a little bit of the luster had worn off of them. Took two tough beats. One in the Santa Anita Gold Cup on a racetrack. He probably wasn't crazy about. The other one in the Forego, Circumstances were beyond our control. He broke hard that day. Kind of got... <clears throat> I don't want to say he got left, but I thought he would have been the controlling speed that day. Didn't work out that way. Got floated wide around the turn. Was beaten a length and a quarter. Probably did everything but win that day. So to get back to a race like the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile and kind of let him showcase his ability and show everybody what he's made of was very satisfying.
1: In the post-race interview, they talked about, when they caught you on the track, about how confident you've been all week, and what what, what was he showing you during the week that was giving you that confidence? I
2: have been confident all year. Um, I knew he would love Churchill Downs. When they got some rain there during the week, I thought it would tighten
1: the racetrack up for the weekend. It did just that. I thought he would love it. He did. When you have a good horse like that, is that the kind of horse where you can have that much confidence in or is that something day in and day out that some of your other horses show you where sometimes you have the same kind of confidence in them? No,
2: I mean, you've always... I mean, a good horse like that, they they make you look good. Um a horse like him, there's... No, nothing surprises me with him, so to see him go out there and live up to the hype was great, but... I just think that... Uh,
0: look it was no surprise to me you're a local guy you're an arcadia high grad did you did you grow up with racing with a passion for it did not
2: had some friends in high school their fathers were involved so kind of would tag along with them to the races but i was certainly obviously drawn to the competition um played sports all my life obviously enjoy winning and just no better feeling than winning here at the racetrack um graduated from high school and sort of fell back into it and really it's been a long journey. It's been a a very enjoyable journey um, culminating Saturday
0: afternoon in Churchill Downs. Well the name of our podcast is For the Love of the Game and that's something that we're going to interview everybody that has developed or grew up with a love for this sport. Um, Your demeanor now is a pretty serious guy. When we were running around in our 20s and 30s uh, you were less been serious what is it that changed you was it going to work for pletcher that got you more focused just maturity in general
2: um you know i like to have a good time as much as the next but you know there's an awful lot of responsible responsibility day in and day out in a job like this and obviously going to work for someone like todd there's not a whole lot of free time so you better enjoy what you're doing i certainly did that I guess you could say before I went to work for Todd, I might have had a, the majority of my fun, but um, I still like to have the odd <laughs> good time.
1: Tell What right? decision was that for you to move across country to go work for Todd when your family was still here at that stage in your life?
2: You know, I knew if I wanted to take it to the next level, if that was... Pursuing a job like that was something I had to do. Ron, Anst- Ron Anderson was very instrumental in, in getting me to go to work for Todd. It had taken some time. We had had a couple of small conversations back and forth that had never worked out. Um, George Weaver and his wife, Cindy, at the time, were both assistants for Todd. As you know, George and Cindy are now married and have a son, so I was able to kind of slide on in there, and fill a gap um, in 2002. Leaving behind a lot of things, you know, racetrack is is a crazy place. You leave behind friendships, relationships, racing venues, move from this circuit to that circuit. So it's part of the game, but if you enjoy this and this is what you want to do, you're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. Um, And the people that believe in you, they'll stick with you. The people that don't believe in you, you
1: just leave them in your wake. What was it at that time when you finally decided to go out on your own? What was behind that timing as far as when you decided to do it and the decision to come back to California to do it? My situation was a little bit different than most.
2: My wife and I had been living coast to coast um, for the first three years of our marriage. She has a very good job in the finance industry. Obviously, working for Todd was you know, as good as he gets. Um, just from a family standpoint and... and support group standpoint from our family both families being for here from Arcadia made it real easy for me to come back here uh, and get started uh, Santa Anita is a place uh, I, I've grown up here and very familiar with their, the surroundings here it was a little bit difficult getting started didn't have any California clientele per se um, Aaron Wellman Eclipse Sobreds they were my first client mr. Warren and his family they were basically my second client so If I had to do it over again I wouldn't change anything but first getting started was a little bit difficult
0: what are some of the things you learned from working with Todd one of the all-time greats in our in our game uh, dedication De- dedication is is certainly number
2: one um, you know he is certainly committed to his craft and everything he does and the guys that are he surrounds himself. You can say the same thing for being an assistant for him is a wonderful job. It's financially, it's very lucrative when it comes to personal time. Not a lot? Not a lot. But if this is what you want to do, there's no other place to be.
1: Do you credit him as your, your mentor now, is it the kind of you pattern how you do things? Or oh, sure. Yeah,
2: I think everything we do here sort of runs through what we did there. Um, logistically, things are different horses are different but the day in and day out the 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 organization the way we feed the way we this the way we that it all has a little bit of that ear bark
0: you had told me when one time that when you had first started with him and you were on a different circuit you pulled out the training chart and started going through every horse with him and he told you hey let." If we, if we do this, I'm never going to get a chance to that's see the my truth. family.
2: That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, we started going down alphabet. I started going down I'm alphabetically, and he said, "Hold on a second. If you do this <laughs> every day, I'll never see my wife and kids." So, you tell me what's important, what I need to know, and that was all I needed. And, you know, he sort of let you run your operation like it was yours, like you owned it, and that's all I needed
0: to hear. How hard was it to leave that job I mean you talked about the financial security um, to come back obviously your family was here but that's still a, a major decision you're starting from ground zero yeah that
2: was uh, it wasn't easy at all it was something that I put a lot of thought into uh, you know maybe that you could make a case if they had not got slots in New York casino games in New York that I'd have never left working for him. I was very content there. Um, I had a, a family away from my family and the people that I surrounded myself with at work. Um, still very close group with a lot of the guys that worked for Todd and have since left and gone on their own, Jonathan Thomas and the like but
0: <clears throat> Do you see Todd as sort of a mentor like Lucas to him? his assistance passing that down a like little
2: bit different a little bit different Todd is um you know not quite as outgoing as Wayne is and doesn't have the, the sort of public persona that someone like Wayne might have but I would think you know when we need him you know he's certainly available for all of us that have worked for him I'd like to think we have a great relationship, you know, when he sends horses to California we're lucky enough to have him stable with us and he's been kind enough to let us go ahead and stable with him when we've gone back
1: east. So when you, when you first came out here, just like starting anything new, it wasn't it wasn't all easy to begin with and you was struggled for a bit, what were your emotions at that point as far as just the struggle of getting started on your own and the rewarding feeling now to be where you're at? I
2: think it took us... Seven months to win our first race. It wasn't a real fun seven months. This was 2014, correct? You went out on your own 2014 so It took a little while to get the wheels in motion Um, You know guy shows up here and just kind of hangs out his shingle. It's not like They're gonna come running to you. I have to admit I thought it would have been a little easier than it was but I guess, as they say, the struggle is real, but it was worth it. you know we just kept on working sticking to what we we what we knew and, and showed up every day and it seems like it's starting
0: to pay off for us. you had um a couple owners that are very influential Eclipse being one of them you mentioned mr. Williams, but um, that loyalty from the from the start has to be rewarding to where you're at now oh yeah, yeah um geez if it wasn't for
2: Aaron and Eclipse I'm it, not sure exactly where we would be um, Aaron got his start you know, from his family his family owns a lot of cowbreds and stuff like that and you know very recognizable figures in California racing and, and have served on boards and you know TOC and all that sort of thing so his parents are a part of the fabric of California racing and then when we got started his first horse, uh, Eclipse horse with Todd Pletcher, was a filly named Sweet Cat, who ended up running third in the Juvenile Phillies Turf, um, and it sort of blossomed from there. I mean, the success they've had with Todd has been remarkable. So to come out here, albeit start a little bit slowly, which we could have expected, but to you know win a win a Grade One with a filly like illuminate and then paved and on down the line and things like that, and now Vibrance lining up in the starting gate Saturday, um, it's fitting that our first Breeders' Cup starter would be
1: for Eclipse. And she was 35 to 1 and she ran third, she turned the tables on Fina, so it wasn't just City of Light winning, it was the two days were overall pretty successful, and even Migliori tweeted that, you know, you, had, you were the number one train performance according to him, so that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I couldn't have been happier for that Philly. Um... You know when she ran
2: here in the chandelier she set some pretty wild fractions the opening quarter 22 and three and I didn't think she was gonna hang around for very long and gutted it out and was able to go ahead and finish second to you know likely favorite in the, in the Breeders Cup Juvenile Phillies Bella Fina Bella Fina obviously didn't have her a game last Friday jaywalk I always thought might be the Philly to beat so to run third uh, very very pleased You know, part of the group that owns Vibrance, Mr. and Mrs. Jim Daniel are family friends, very good friends, my my father-in-law. So for them to get involved with me uh, and to be able to kind of take them to Breeders'
1: Cup is very special. It's not just a big day either. There was another tweet that had you ranked number five as kind of like an overall trainer performance. Um, the ascent is pretty remarkable over the last three years from like thirty to twenty five to five. What does that testament say to just a day in and day out effort that you want to keep this together?
2: I think you know it's I think it's A it's a function of a couple of these horses we have behind these webbings, you know, they bump up your stats pretty good. City of Light, Liam the Charmer, Vibrance, uh, paved. You know, they make for <clears throat> make your numbers look good, obviously. I don't know what I accredited to. I think it's just getting more starters every year. I think this year we've already, you know, by August 1st, I think we eclipsed the number of starters we had in 2017. So obviously it's, there's
0: safety in numbers in this game, and I think that might be part of it. Seems like a breakthrough year, winning a Breeders' Cup, winning the grade ones. Uh, what are you seeing looking forward? Uh, what kind of career path is, I mean, to move you forward off off this success. You know, this game
2: is funny. If you told me uh, I could run one horse in the Breeders' Cup next year, I'd probably take it. Obviously, we'd like to run more but a horse like City of Light where he'll make his way to the breeding shed uh, a couple of these other fillies, you know, during the course of the year. Hopefully, they stay healthy and make their way back to the Breeders' Cup again next year. Obviously, being in our backyard and a filly like Pave, who has an affinity for this racetrack, uh, that would be nice. You know, we set small goals every year, I'd like to win. This year I wanted to win 40 races. I think we're getting close there. I think we're 10 shy of that. So we've got, um, you know, about 50 days to try to get that taken care of. We'll try to do that. Next year, uh, same, more of the same thing. Try to win 40, maybe 50 races. We'll see what happens. Uh, We're always trying to improve our stock, that kind of thing, of course there's that's a little bit out of our control, but we bought some nice yearlings this year, and hopefully we're attracting, um, you know, a little bit of influence from across the country and across the world. Actually, Phoenix Thoroughbeds now owns a piece of Axelrod, so that's nice. Um, we're open for business, so hopefully we can keep things rolling.
1: What's kind of the ideal number of horses that you want to have here? Because you talked about with Todd, there were so many that you kind of just couldn't put all your time in. He couldn't put all his time in all of them, so. What's kind of your sweet spot that you're hoping to get
2: to? Yeah, you know, I think obviously we've got 30 horses right now, and that's it's suiting us well, but managing 40 and 50 is probably not a problem, you know. Uh, we're here from sun up to sundown, so we try to be as hands-on as possible and as organized as possible. We've got the right people in place. So if we can get to
1: 50, that'd be great. Have you taken any time to think about maybe the next step for Cynthia Light? I mean, he, he was the only horse that beat Accelerate this year and the big money race, if, if Pegasus is coming up, is that on your radar? You know, I had had a couple of scenarios in my head
2: the last few weeks. I thought maybe there, if there was a chance that Roy H had gotten beat on Saturday afternoon, that it would kind of leave a little bit of a void in the champion sprinter ranks. And maybe having won the triple bend and obviously the calendar not working for us, but opening day, winning the Malibu. If he could win a, a race like the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile and then maybe come back and duplicate it in the cigar, maybe there you'd have to think long and hard about him being champion sprinter, something like that. Um, his race the other day was awfully fast, came back very fast, I believe he ran a zero on the Ragazin sheets. Um, so maybe we might give him an extra couple of weeks, obviously the Pegasus and whatever the purse is for that race this year. believe last year was 16 now they've got a turf component to it so i don't know how much the race is but it's a lot of money either way way. Um, it's a mile and an eighth which we've won at beating accelerate going a mile and an eighth so how we get there if we if we train up to that race and run in there first you know right back off the layoff i'm fine with that if we have
1: a bridge race in between that's great as well how much does it mean to you to Know Axelrod got sold, but you got to keep him, and you actually he didn't run as good on the classic as I'm sure you would have hoped. But I mean, to have a horse in the classic and for big connections like that, it must have been a, still a, a thrill to kind of end the weekend.
2: Yeah, Jonathan Thomas and I were having a pretty good laugh on Saturday night, and we thought if either one of us thought we'd be where we were five years ago, <laughs> you know, kind of doing our thing for Todd, and then end up running a horse, you know, um, racing's championship day, their biggest day of the year. Um, running a horse in the Breeders' Cup Classic, so it was nice. It was really nice, as you know. Slam Dunk Racing has been a supporter of ours since we got started as well. So it was special to be able to do it for Nick Casado and his son. Um, and actually, to be honest with you, I think my horse ran sneaky good that it, he made that a bit afternoon. Of a move.
1: It looked like he was getting in contention.
2: Hung a little wide around the first turn. Never got a chance to really tuck in around the backside from the four. From the half mile pole to the three eighths pole we improved probably six seven lengths still kind of hung out wide not quite as wide as accelerate which is all the more impressive to to see what he did uh winning that on saturday but we're a three-year-old facing the best horses in the world uh, i think we beat you know the two best three-year-olds that were in front of them so it was it was a respectable performance. We'll go ahead and kinda of get started with him here in the next day or two and map out a plan with Tom Lute and everybody at Phoenix and maybe get a start in the Malibu and think about a race like the Dubai World Cup.
1: And he was he was a maiden claimer that you know really outperformed his where he started his his beginnings unlike City of Light which costs, you know, seven hundred plus thousand so true, yeah.
2: I guess when I bought both horses I guess I had Big expectations for City of Light and useful racehorse expectations for Axelrod. Ran him first time out at Del Mar on the grass. I didn't think the horse had a whole bunch of early speed so I thought sprinting him would be a moot point. So we went ahead ran him long on the grass, very green that day, Uh, came back and trained well on the dirt. It always trained well on the dirt so I thought maybe we could take a little bit of an edge, run him for 50. Obviously, Iggy Puglisi gave him a great ride that day, and rode him the first three, four races of his career, and had a couple of wins on him, so. Um, we had a little bit of a break here in the spring. He had a little minor issue, seemed to get over it well. The first race back for him, which just happened to be a race down the hill, it was right there in front of us, horse was doing well. We thought we'd go ahead and give it a shot. And ever since that day, the light bulb, has just kind of really went on. He's matured into, obviously, what he,
0: you see now grade one performer a couple more quick questions uh you lost your father-in-law earlier in the year bob mcnamara you were very close with him he was a huge racing fan uh he would have loved to have seen this but maybe he was looking down somewhere did you feel like you had a little extra yeah you know
2: extra help? <clears throat> funny we used to talk about this horse a lot when when we bought him at saratoga or at, at Keeneland, excuse me i kept on telling him what i thought of this horse and what you know what I think we've got on our hands, and this and that. And when he was beaten first time out, I would told my father-in-law how upset I was, and he said, you'll be fine, the horse will be fine. And sure enough, he was right. And I was glad he got to see the horse win the Malibu opening day. That was a big deal. Um, the triple bend, he wasn't, unfortunately didn't get a chance to see. But um, Yeah, I think we
0: got a little push there, the final eighth of a mile quick story to end this. Let's have some fun with it. You worked for some characters in your younger days. Doug Peterson, who at one point trained Seattle <laughs> Slew. Yep. Steve Young, who's now a successful bloodstock agent. You were working for Steve at Churchill Downs. You went to breakfast one day, and all of a sudden the horse you got—you were in charge of Came back and he disappeared. Tell, tell us about it. The name
2: was Honor and Pride. Not exactly sure what ensued, but I do know that morning at Churchill Downs, the horse was Behind it, a, a Steve Young webbing <laughs> came back from having some pancakes and a little orange juice, and he was gone. So
0: he was, there a, was great a little bit cost <laughs>
2: concern for there for a little while. Horse ended up safe and sound over at Al Stalls' made for pretty good uh, made for pretty good TV there for a couple hours. But um, yeah, you know, I've had a lot of jobs in racing, some good, some not so good, um, some I wish I could have done
0: over again. But they've all led us to this point, so I'm grateful I've had all of them. You're in a good spot now. Congratulations. Appreciate your time. For the love of the game, Michael McCarthy, this is our second episode, and uh, we'll catch you again down the road. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Michael McCarthy. And Mark, definitely an interesting character, and, and his stats and his numbers are showing that he's definitely on the way up in this game.
1: Yeah, he had a huge weekend over Breeders' Cup, winning the Breeders' Cup mile, as we discussed. Uh, He comes from a long lineage of success, having worked under Todd Pletcher for a large part of his career. And after getting off to a slow start in a difficult circuit here in Southern California, he's really started to make a name for himself. He's getting really good horses. He's winning big races, and the sky's the limit for him now.
0: Well, let's talk about what we saw last weekend, Breeders' Cup weekend, and those ramifications towards Eclipse Awards, Horse of the Year. So I'll throw out a category and a couple names, and you tell me which way you'd go, and uh, we'll debate each one for a minute. Horse of the Year, did Accelerate do enough to wrestle it away from Triple Crown winner Justify?
1: It's really a 50-50 argument, in my opinion. I know you feel strongly for Justify. He did win the Triple Crown. You can, can't take that away from him as, as a great accomplishment in the sport of horse racing. But for the people that are arguing for Accelerate, you can look at more of a body of work over an entire year. He won multiple grade ones against older company. He, his only defeat came to the hands of City of Light at Oakland. He lost by a neck. Um, so he was definitely the class of the older male division. He dominated Southern California. He took his game on the road. And he won on the biggest day in the biggest race in the Classic. So I can't fault those that lean towards Accelerate. I can't fault those that lean towards Justify. I think the vote is going to be pretty close. Uh, if if American Pharoah hadn't won the Triple Crown a few years ago, I think Justify would have definitely won it. He might get a little bit of a negative from some voters because American Pharoah just accomplished this. People might think it's, quote, unquote, easy to win it now, even though we know that that's not the truth. Um, but I think it's going to come down to a very close vote i probably lean towards Justify winning, but if I had to vote, maybe I'd toss my, my hat towards Accelerate.
0: All right. Well, I can see the points you made. I just think when a when a horse makes history like Justify did, he did something no other horse in the history of racing had done in the triple, history of Triple Crown, I should say, and that is start his career in February, win all six races, and the Triple Crown. We'll never see it again in our lifetime. I think that trumps the year that Accelerate had. And I think Justify will get Horse of the Year. Let's move on. Female turf, Enable once, and she was great winning the uh, turf. But was it enough? Or did Sister Charlie have a better body of work winning more races and grade ones throughout the year in this country?
1: It's a similar argument to Horse of the Year where you have Enable who accomplished something that hadn't been done before, like Justify had winning the arc de triomphe and then coming to the states and winning the turf um she's a spectacular filly her body of work not just this year but over you know last year as well has stamped her as arguably one of the best female horses of all time and uh i would lean towards her for that for those reasons sister of Char- sister charlie Is a hard knocking horse she always uh, runs late Uh, multiple grade one wins on the year a lot of um, underneath finishes so you can't take anything away from her but when you look at uh, the the, how spectacular enable has been throughout her career i would give the nod to her
0: i agree she's a better philly uh, but i think just winning one time in this country isn't enough to give her the award I think sister Charlie had a really good year banged heads with the best we had over here for the most part and did win a breeders cup race. So I'm going to go the other way here. I'm going to give it to sister Charlie, even though I know in my heart enable is a better Philly. All right, Mark, here's another category turf males stormy liberal ran the fastest uh, buyer, I believe on turf history. It was a turf sprint and he uh, won it for the second straight year. Can you make a case for giving it to a sprinter over maybe a more mediocre crop of of distance turf horses in this country throughout the year what's your feeling on this one
1: like you said the the other more the, the turf horses where we become more accustomed to seeing those types win the award no one really stands out and stormy liberal like you said he ran a 119 which is off the charts uh in, in a turf sprint at the abbreviated distance um he 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 was, you know, six, seven lengths clear of the third place finisher after dueling with the runner up. And so, again, the body of work two years in a row winning the Breeders' Cup turf sprint, taking his game all over the world. Um, I think you got to give him a strong consideration for the award.
0: I agree on this one. I, I think, you know, my heart's with Stormy Liberal. I just always love this horse and his, his winning spirit. I don't think enough, you know, any other horses did as much as he did. Uh, It would be untraditional to give it to a sprinter, but I'm going to lean that way and uh, we're going to, we're going to be in the same camp on this one. Okay, Mark, final one, two-year-old Philly newspaper of record who was brilliant on the turf or jaywalk also brilliant and winning on the dirt. Which way do you go here?
1: Well, I, I would go with newspaper of record. You just look at the way she's won all three of her races in devastating fashion those margins of victory on the turf are rare. So to reel off three in a row that way to start her career, just the way that she did it. She took on a field of international challengers at the Breeders' Cup, and she it was the same result as her first two races. So taking nothing away from Jaywalk, she won her version of the Juvenile Phillies on the dirt in impressive fashion as well. Um, but I would, I would side towards newspaper of record in this category.
0: I think I'm going to go the other way. I'm more of a traditionalist. I think in this category, I lean towards the dirt. Uh, it, it's unfortunate both of these fillies can't win an Eclipse Award. I think they're both very deserving. But I'm going to go the traditional route here. Give it to Jaywalk, Walk, but uh, knowing also that newspaper of record is something very, very special. Well, Mark, I think that'll wrap up our close. And uh, we really enjoyed doing this second episode. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Uh, We got a little Breeders' Cup talk. We had a great interview with Michael McCarthy. We're going to do this again in two weeks, and uh, we don't know our next guest yet, but we'll get it up there on social media. Uh, Mark, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll close it out here. Anything else from you?
1: I think it was a great Breeders' Cup overall. A lot of people complained that there weren't as many long shots as usual, but when you look at the performances that were given, they were all legitimate performances that you couldn't really knock.
0: Okay, thanks for listening to our second episode. This has been For the Love of the Game presented by horsebills.com.